there for a minute. How many know God's grace is amazing? Yes, 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 yes. His grace is beyond understanding. We don't deserve his goodness, but he gives it to us freely anyhow. So let's celebrate his goodness tonight as we sing the song. This is amazing grace. Well, let's sing one round of that, then we're going to go ahead and do the track. Come on, y'all. Listen to our voice. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. This is unfailing love.
welcomed you to the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens. f 
looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody, nobody greater, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than me. Nobody can heal like you can. Oh, most holy one, you are the great I am. Awesome in all your ways, and mighty is your hand. You were he who carried out redemption's plan. You were he who carried out redemption's plan. So stumble. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody, nobody great, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low. Nobody greater, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Nobody greater, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater. Nobody greater. Come on, help me say. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. No. Nobody greater than you. I looked high and low, could not find nobody. Nobody greater. No. Nobody greater than you. Nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater, come on, nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. If you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance in your soul, nobody greater. You can call on nobody greater than our Lord, nobody greater than our God. Hallelujah, nobody greater. Oh, nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. No. Nobody greater than you. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. God, we love you. And we worship your name because there's nobody greater than you, Father. We can look high and we can look low. But God, you are the omnipotent one. You are the omnipresent one. You are the omniscient one. There is nobody greater than you. Not Allah, not Buddha. God, you stand alone. You are the great I am. 
when they asked what your name was, you said, tell them that I am that I am. I am the great I am. I am all that you need. All that you need is in me. Hallelujah. Nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. Angels bow before you. Nobody great. Heaven and earth adore you. Nobody great. Nobody great. Nobody greater than you. Now come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Like you're getting put, giving praise to the great one. Come on and let's bless the Lord. Come on and lift your voices. Bless the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Come on and give our great God. Oh, great big God, bless you, Lord. We love you tonight. We love you, we love you, we love you tonight. We love you, we love you, we love you tonight, Jesus. Come on, come on. It's in atmospheres like this. Oh, that the great one arises. Come on, it's in atmospheres like this. Oh, where the great one shows up. It's in atmospheres like this. Oh, where the great one can speak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anyone excited about the great God that we serve? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, bless the Lord in here. Come on and bless his name. Bless the Lord in here. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Sometimes you got to command your soul to bless the Lord. Oh, when it act like you don't want to bless it, bless the Lord on oh my soul. I command my mind to bless the Lord. I command my emotions to bless the Lord. I command my will to bless. I will bless the Lord. And me blessing the Lord is not tied to my circumstances. It's not tied to what happened today. It's not tied to answered prayer. I will bless the Lord because he alone is good and his mercies, his mercies endure. His mercies, his mercies endure forever. His mercies endure forever. Hallelujah. Come on, anybody love the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His mercies endure. When you should have got what you deserved, His mercy said no. His mercies endure forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Nobody great. Nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Come on, put your hands together. Let's bless the name of Jesus real good in this place tonight. Oh, oh my, my, my. Y'all better stop. We had some crazy stuff happening here on Sunday. Y'all better stop, Jesus. 
We won't be able to teach on no deliverance tonight. Because when the deliverer shows up, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. Hallelujah. I, I feel that preach anointing on my back still. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hema I will bless the Lord. I will, I will, I will. I will, I will. Oh, oh, bless the Lord. Oh, I will bless the Lord. Hey, me Come on, come on, come on. I know we got, I know we got something to do, but I'm telling you why you got an opportunity and why you got breath and life in your body. I dare you to take this moment and bless the Lord. Bless him with your praise. Bless him with your worship. Bless him with your dance. Bless him with the lifting of the hands. Oh, we bless you. We bless you. We we bless you tonight, God. Don't play. Don't wait on me, Jesus. Don't wait on me. I take off on you. Hey, Shukor. Oh, glory. I feel the glory of the Lord in this place. Hey, Mama Kanda no so holy. I feel the glory of the Lord surging through this atmosphere. Hey, Shukanda Barini. I will bless the Lord. Hey. I will bless the Lord. Hey, my Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord. I make a declaration with my faith tonight that I will. I will. I will. I I I will bless the name of Jesus. He's the name which is above every name. Oh, God. What a great God that we serve. What a great God. What a mighty God. What? What a mighty God that we serve. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And I'm telling you that he is looking for a people, for a generation that will say, I will bless. I will bless. I, I will bless the Lord. I will bless. I will bless his holy name. I will bless his holy name. I will bless. I will. I, I will. I will bless. 
I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Hey. Oh, my soul. Come on. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. I will bless the Lord. Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, I will bless the Lord, I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, hallelujah, oh my soul, hallelujah, we bless the name of the Lord Jesus in this place, hallelujah. Come on, anyone love the Lord? I got any Jesus lovers? Anyone that just love, passionately love Jesus? You're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I better put this mic down and turn this little teaching mic on because I get mics in my hand like this, I want to preach. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on. Hey, y'all better stop. Y'all don't. It was a rap song in the 90s that said, Don't push me because I'm close to. Don't push me. I'm close to this edge. Don't push me. Don't push me. Because I'm close to this edge. Amen. And once I throw that praise out, I don't know how to reel it. I don't always, I don't always know how to reel it back. Hallelujah. X, don't, don't push me. Because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Woo! So Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, before you take your seat, introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. Tonight, greet them in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord.
tonight's offering so we can get that out of the way and uh, so we can focus exclusively on uh, tonight's lesson. Amen. So if you need an offering envelope, you raise your hand and uh, the ushers, they can assist you. There's four ways uh, uh, to give, give here. Amen. Uh, you can do cash or check. Uh, you can make your check payable to Life Changers Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Or LCCI, you can abbreviate it. Are all these lights on? Amy, look behind you. Are all of them on? Come on, Jesus. I know. I'm a child of the light. Amen. We need light. So, yeah, if you're writing out a check, you can make it pay to Life Changers Church, LCCI. Um, if there is a, what else? Kiosk in the back. There's two kiosks. If you don't carry uh, cash or checks, um, all you have is a, a debit card. You can get up. <clears throat> you can go use the kiosk um, at this time. Uh, you can also log on to our website, lifechangerschurchintl.org. LifeChangersChurchintl.org, and uh, you can give there. There's a tab that says e-giving. You can give there, and uh, okay, come on, Pastor. And uh, and then uh, there's one more. The mic's right there in my bag. <clears throat> and then there's uh, one more way to give. It's called Givelify, and uh, that's an app that you download onto your phone. Uh, you search for Life Changers Church in Fairfield, and. Um, Specify or designate the amount that you like to give there, and, um, and you can do that. And so, as you guys are preparing that, Pastor Amanda has a, a brief announcement. All right, how's everybody doing this evening? All right, good. I'm glad I didn't have to ask that twice. So, who likes free stuff? Right? Free money? 
Who likes free stuff? Oh. It's always the pastor that makes it difficult, right? I need to clarify. Who, right? <laughs> and who likes free stuff for their kids? Right? Like, that's even better because they stop bugging you and asking you all types of questions and wanting everything, right? So this coming Saturday, um, Life Changers is hosting Spring Fest. Amen. And it's going to be spectacular. So we're having a free festival for our community. It's not going to be at this location. It's going to be at Endeavor Elementary, which is only about two minutes away from here. The address is 4400 Smith Road, and the zip code is 45069. That's this coming Saturday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. We have flyers on your way out. Some of you may have gotten them on your way in, um, but if you didn't, you can grab one or a few to take with you to your friends and your family. But we're gonna have games, bouncy house, cotton candy, snow cones, all types of great stuff, prizes, and things of that sort. So we definitely want to invite any and everybody out to um, just come and have fun. Even if you don't have children, you can still come and you can have some fun, right? Any big kids? Okay, just making sure that I was in the right place. So make sure you come out this coming Saturday, um, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., 4400 Smith Road. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that uh, station identification. All right, so uh, let's stand if you have your offering, and uh, let's just give now. Father, thank you for um, every financial gift, um, Lord, that is being given tonight, uh, whether here or, or online. Bless Bless the offering, Lord, bless the giver, and um, we just ask that you use each gift, Lord, to accomplish your will in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You can come at this time. There's a basket over here. should be one over there as well. If you're giving there, if you're giving electronically, you can give online, all that kind of good stuff. Amen. What's up, Puzzle? You got babies and stuff? No, this ain't your baby. Mm -mm. Your baby with the little T.W.A., the Latino mini Afro. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. So tonight uh, is week two, week two of, um, of our 12-week training. And I see a little of the weather kept some folk away. And uh, praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, weather always has an interesting effect on people. And uh, I don't really know why, because we have cars, and we use water every day when we bathe, <laughs> and we have things to protect us called umbrellas. <laughs> and uh, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. And, uh, but last week, we started with uh, week one of our deliverance training. And uh, who was not here last week? You're not here last week. Good, good, good. If you, um, uh, all, of our, all of our sessions are online, so, okay? So if you uh, go to youtube.com, uh, youtube.com forward slash Pastor Curry, or you can just search on YouTube for lifechangers.tv. Go there, click subscribe, and uh, the teaching from last week is there, and uh, we got stuff there from a long time, long time ago. Over a year, couple, maybe probably a couple years. And so you can go on that, and, uh, and if you miss, uh, you, can, you can go on and log on to there and, and uh, so you can stay current with uh, the class, see the things that we've reviewed, what we've talked about, so on and so forth, okay? 
because <clears throat> we don't have a lot of time each week for me to do a real in-depth recap or review like uh, normally I'd like to. Um, and so you just have to go online and get the information there, okay? All right, so this week we're talking about, uh, our topic is these signs. These signs shall follow those that believe. These signs, someone say these signs. Shall follow those that believe, okay? These signs shall follow those that believe. And that uh, phrase <clears throat> uh, comes from a passage of scripture in Mark 16, okay? In Mark 16, uh, Mark 16, verses 17 through 19. Can anybody, without turning there, can anybody tell me what that is? Mark 16, it's a parallel passage to another, yes, sir? The Great Commission, amen, the Great Commission. I'm going to use this mic. Who's going to be my runner tonight? Maybe I need a runner. You'll be a runner again, June. Okay, Eric, you'll be a runner. I think I have. This is one mic. We have to need to get one more. Yeah, so Mark 16 is the Great Commission. All right? Anybody know what is the Great Commission? What is that? <clears throat> what is a Great Commission? Yeah, the Great Commission? What's, what's found in that word? Mission, right? And what, what else is found in that word? Yeah, co. It's a co-mission. It's a mission where we are a co-laborer with the one who founded or started or initiated the mission. And so Jesus and the early disciples, the early apostles, they started the mission. And we're called to faithfully carry that baton in our generation until our race is done and it's time for us to pass the baton to the next generation, all right? It's a perpetual or generation to generation uh, mission, okay? And there are different aspects uh, to this mission that are identified um, in the areas where it's found in the Bible. <clears throat> it's Matthew 28, Mark 16, and it's somewhere in John as well. I can't remember uh, exactly where it is in John, but it's Matthew 28, Mark 16, and somewhere in John's gospel as well. And the Great Commission says, go, therefore, what? Into all the where? No, into all the, the world. The world is the Greek word cosmos. It's the social order. It doesn't mean the terra firma, the earth. It's the world, the systems that makes the earth run. All right? So go into all of the cosmos, preaching the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teaching all, teaching all what? Somebody, y'all said it before. Nations. Nations is the Greek word ethnos, where we get ethnicities. So it's not talking about going into countries per se, but going into people groups, going into ethnos, going and in, 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 in meeting, uh, taking the gospel to different ethnic groups of people. Like there are people here tonight that represent different ethnicities, okay? And um, <clears throat> so go, therefore, preach the, go into all the, preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all nations, teaching them to observe everything that you've been taught or you've been commanded to learn, teaching them to do the same thing. And that's what Matthew says. But Mark says something just a tad bit different, okay? And Mark's uh, commentary is found in Mark 16, and I have it on the screen here so you don't have to uh, turn there, all right? Uh, he's, he says, he reiterates and says some of the th same things that, <clears throat> that Matthew said, but then he said this, that as you go, right, as you go, 
He said there will be certain things that will occur. And, and he lists them in Mark 16, verses 17 through 19. And he's, and he's talking about, he said, and these signs, these signs shall follow those that believe. These signs, someone say these signs. These signs shall follow those that believe. All right? In my name, and the very first thing that he writes is what? Cast out demons. Now let me tell you something, okay? Because the second thing that's on that list is what? Speak with new tongues. Now, many of you, and I know that there are people here from uh, different um, understandings in terms of uh, biblically speaking. Some don't believe that uh, tongues are for today, and that's fine, right? But there are some people, um, you're avid tongue talkers, okay? And uh, you believe you espouse that doctrine. And so tongues, uh, one of the reasons why there is, there is such an influx of believers, Christians, that speak in tongues um, can anybody tell me why? When, when, did that, when did that start again? Yeah, Azusa, Azusa. Uh, the turn of the 20th century, uh, early 1900s, uh, the Spirit of God poured out on Southern California. There were a number of people who were reading in the Bible things that were written in Scripture, but they weren't seeing it in their present reality. And so there were a group of uh, believers that was spearheaded or led by a gentleman by the name of uh, W.E. Seymour, William Seymour, uh, who was kind of considered the founder or father um, of, the, uh, of the Pentecostal movement. So any person that espouses Pentecostal doctrine today, their roots are founded in the Azusa revival um, that, that started in uh, Los Angeles in 1906. Everybody, I don't care if they P.A.W., Apostolic Faith, Church of God in Christ, Assemblies of God, non-denominational, which is really denomination. You know, folks, folk get, you know, whatever, they lead denominations. They say I'm non-denominational, but then they, you know, then they end up kind of creating their own. So non-denominational tongue talkers, charismatic people, four-square church, um, you name it. You name it. Whoever, uh, you know, espouses Pentecostal doctrine, uh, they got their start, <clears throat> whether they know it or not, uh, at, uh, at the turn of the 20th century in Azusa. And, uh, and so the reason why there's so many people that speak in tongues, the second sign uh, today is because um, there's been a lot of teaching on it for over 100 years. People have been teaching on it, right? And the Bible says in the book of Romans uh, that faith comes how? By hearing, hearing by the word of God. So faith can't come, right? And we're going to talk about belief and faith tonight. They're the same, but they're different. You know, it said these signs follow those that Pistuo, it's the, the Greek word for faith is pistis, it's a noun. But the verb believe is pistuo, it's a verb, it's an action word versus a person, place, or a thing. And they're, they're the same, they obviously they originate from the same root word, uh, but they are distinctly different um, in, how we, in how we act, okay? Uh, because people, um, I know people that say they have faith or pistis, they have faith in God. They believe God. They, they believe that there is a God, a higher power, the man upstairs, you know, whatever people want to call him, right? Uh, but Jesus himself said that if you love me, you'll do what? You'll do something. So you won't just serve me with your lips, you'll serve me with your life, right? So you won't just talk the talk or you'll actually walk the walk. There'll be some action behind what you say that you actually believe. 
Um, you know, James put it like this. He said that without faith, it's in, uh, not, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, he said that was Hebrews. James said faith without works is dead. Faith without some kind or type of corresponding action is dead. And the reason why there is a dearth of believers operating in the ministry of deliverance is because there's been a lack of teaching surrounding it, which has produced a lack of faith concerning it, which produces a lack of action surrounding it. All right? In my name, they will cast out demons. Okay? In my name. So this is faith. This is belief. Faith and belief. Same root word, come from the same word, but it's different. Because if I believe something, I act a certain way. I, 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 I govern myself differently if I believe something versus if I believe something. So like I can pray and say all day long, uh, uh, Lord, bless me with a job. I'm praying, I'm using faith, right? I'm using faith. Lord, I need a job. I open my mouth. I, I clasp my hands together and I exercise my faith or my belief um, in the God that I, that, I, that I serve. God, I need a job, okay? And so then when you pray that, you pray that prayer, 1 John talks about if you pray anything according to God's will, we can have confidence knowing that he hears us and because we know that he's heard us or we've been heard, we have, we already have, the, the answers to the petitions that we've prayed. So if we have it, we need to act like we have it. Does that make sense? And so I can pray for a job all day long, but if I don't get online, if I don't get on CareerBuilder, Monster.com, put together a resume, you know, go out to a place, you know, go buy a suit for an interview or whatever, my, my, my answer's never gonna come. Why? Because they, 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 they work uh, interchangeably. I've got to have action, belief. I've got, I've got to move according to what I believe, all right? And so this is the exact same thing as it pertains to or deals with the ministry of deliverance, right? People believe, they read in the Bible and they believe, they see Jesus casting out demons, they see the disciples doing that, they see other people doing it, you know, but why aren't, why aren't there as many churches and believers and people today that deal with the first position as much or greater than they do the second sign. Ain't no teaching or very minimal teaching on it. And if there's minimal teaching, there's no, there's no faith. We can't lock our faith into anything because there's no teaching, especially if you don't have leaders in churches teaching it because we're the, we're the forerunners. We're the ones that are supposed to be teaching it and modeling it for people to practice and to follow. Amen. Now, let me tell you why, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, regardless of who wrote the Bible, who authored it or who wrote it, the Holy Spirit is the author. OK, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. So, you know, that when the word of God is written, that the word of God, uh, the words that are on paper are inspired. OK, and I believe that every word serves a purpose and every positioning of a word serves a purpose. It is not coincidental by a long shot, that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Mark, the author of Mark's gospel, to put in my name, they will cast out demons first. That's not an accident, okay? And I can prove that, all right? 
And the way that I know that that's not an accident is because anytime, if you look in the New Testament, anywhere in the New Testament, anytime you see the 12 disciples' names listed, the 12, the 12 apostles of the Lamb that walk with Jesus, anytime you see them listed as a group, you'll always see Peter's name first, and you'll always see Judas Iscariot's name last. That is not a coincidence. That's not coincidental. Do you, you mean to tell me that that just kind of fell into place like that? No, the, the Holy Spirit uh, was very intentional when he moved upon the, the writers as they wrote. He was very intentional about placement, about placement. And likewise, the same, that same, um, that, that same uh, hermeneutical tool Hermeneutics is the, is the science of interpreting the Bible. The same hermeneutical tool or principle applies in scriptures like this. And you see it because in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene kicking devil behind. Remember, we said last week, the 39 books, Genesis to Malachi, you don't see a demon coming out of anybody except for one time, one person. And that was when it came out of King Saul, when David played music, David was, you know, that's, now that's an anointing. You so anointed, you play music and demons lead people. But that happened because David was a pattern of Christ, which was to come. He's from the house of David. Does that make sense? And so then Jesus steps on the scene and he said, in my name, when, they, when you exercise uh, in the Great Commission, and you're, and you're going into all the world and preaching the gospel and winning converts, all of that kind of stuff, you will encounter demonic opposition. Why? Because those people that you're seeking to save, right, they are held in hostage in enemy territory. They're held in hostage. They, they may not look like it. They may look very normal, but they're prisoners. They're POWs. They're prisoners of war. And God has anointed his church, the people, to set captives free. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. So let's take a look at this real quick. So in my name, they will cast out demons. Right? What is a sign? So a sign, let me give you this. Uh, you can just take a picture of you got a phone or something. Praise the Lord. And uh, <laughs> praise God. Sign, that's the Greek word. It means a, a mark, uh, a token. It's something that is given to corroborate a story, uh, to corroborate a story. Let me write this down because the Lord said something to me earlier and I don't want to forget. Praise the Lord. Can you text your own self? Can you? Okay, I ain't never did that before. The Lord spoke a word to me earlier and I don't know what it is. So I need to text myself or I'll forget it. Okay. I was the first. I text my own self. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. So a sign. Sign is a mark, an indication, a token. It's something that's used to distinguish one thing from the other. Okay. Uh, sign is also a miracle or wonder which God uses to authenticate the people that he sends. The people that he sends, you, one of the ways that you know it are by the signs that follow them. Amen. He uses men uh, or by which men prove that the cause that they are pleading is God's. OK, now. Um, now, Paul wrote this in I think it's first Corinthians four. 
he said that he was talking to the church at Corinth and, uh, and he said that my preaching, his preaching, was not with wise words of man's wisdom, but it was also accompanied by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So it is not, let me tell you something, it is not good enough. It is not good enough for you to preach about the kingdom and not, and not demonstrate the kingdom. It's not good enough. Because we live in a society and an era and a time now that is, that is anti-Christ in nature. I mean, unlike anything we, many of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. Very, very anti-Christ in nature. And you can talk, you can, know, you can know the Bible from back to front, inside and out, cover to cover. You can know every Sunday school story, right? You can know about, you know, Daniel and the lion's den and Gilligan on the island. You can know about all of them things, right? And you can share and teach and, and plead and all of that kind of stuff till you turn blue, purple, whatever in the face. But when you've done your best sermon... And you have done, you put together your best Bible study to share with people. And they still don't believe you need to close the book and demonstrate what you just talked about. So you don't believe me? Or let me set this down. Let me show you what I'm talking about. And move in the gifts, move in the power, move in the glory, move in the anointing. You've got to be able to do that. If not, like, like I tell people nowadays, like if people... Uh, like you want to start a church? Don't even start a church if you're not even, if you can't do that. Because what are you offering to an, to a city? What are you offering to an area? What are you offering to people? A 60-minute feel good so people can scratch and say, "Hey, I you know, I went to church today. I put something in the plate and you know, went on to do good works." No, we're called to advance the kingdom of God. We're called to advance the kingdom. And advancing the kingdom as you seek to overthrow another kingdom is not pretty. It's not pretty. It's warfare. That's why we talked about last week, introduction to spiritual warfare. And there are so many people, and I'm not knocking no preacher or pastor or whatever that don't teach on it. But I'm telling you, when people come to the Lord, the first thing that they need to learn how to do after they learn how to pray and read their Bible is learn how to fight the fight of faith. Yes. Yes. Is learn how to fight spiritually. Because from the day that you say, I do to Jesus, right, you've got the hounds of hell that are on your tail. And the more that you seek to know him and to make him known, to people that are in your sphere of influence or around you, you're going to encounter more opposition. You're going to encounter it. Amen? You just are. You're going to encounter opposition. And the crazy thing is, I talked about this this past Sunday at our church. I actually taught a message called the, uh, Fight the Good Fight of Faith. And the crazy thing is with this kind of warfare is we're fighting against somebody we can't see. That makes it challenging. You, you know, it's kind of easy to fight somebody you can see, even if you can't fight. Right, right. You know, you, you can always tell people they can't fight either. How they stand and, you know, they just, they just, they looking to get mollywopped. You know, they just, you know, they don't even know nothing. But even with that, you'll still get a licking in. 
know what I'm saying? But how do you swing on somebody you can't see? How, how do you fight someone and you don't know where they're coming, where they're going? Because they're spirits, like the Holy Spirit is a spirit. And you can't see them. We only see the effects of them. All right? The effects of them in people's lives, in homes, in marriages, in society, so on and so forth. All right? So it is imperative. It is crucial. Somebody say it's crucial. That you have signs following your ministry. And this is the thing I love about this. This is not relegated to five-fold people. Like, you don't have to have, you know, you got to be like chief apostle, archbishop, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, senior pastor, you know, uh, master prophet, you know, uh, you know, wonder evangelist. You know, you don't have to be any of them things. You ain't got to carry no title to cast out demons. You ain't got to carry no title to prophesy. You got to carry no title to share the gospel. No title. Because you carry the identity, the mark of a son or a daughter. Amen? All right, so signs are vitally, vitally important. And I'm going to show you why. Can you imagine what life would be like without signs? You driving on the highway? Thank God for GPS. But y'all know GPS is like a false prophet. It ain't always right. <laughs> My God, you start driving and, you know, turn left here. You turn left and... Go down this street, you know, right turn here. You turn right, and before you know it, you'll be like, I just went in a circle two times. <laughs> it's like, seriously? It's like, for real? So I thank God for signs that are on the road that tell you where to get off the highway, how fast or how slow to drive. You know, the children, there's a, there's a crosswalk where children and parents are at school crossing, right? So signs are of the utmost importance even in our natural lives. Likewise, they play a very important role in our spiritual lives because signs point you in a certain direction. And signs, as it pertains to the kingdom, points to this invisible king and kingdom that we serve and we're part of. And so you see this sign? That's because he's alive. That's because he's alive and he reigns forever and ever. All right? Let's see how smart y'all are. Praise the Lord. All right, what's this sign? Somebody tell me. Okay, y'all geniuses. Stop means to do what? Not how most of y'all drive. You do a roll and stop. What about this sign? Slow. All right. Y'all, y'all brilliant. Now, nah, this is going to get a little tricky. This ain't got no words. Okay? What about this sign? How y'all know that? Y'all got the gift of interpretation? Huh? You just know it? What about this one? Throw it in the garbage. <laughs> throw it in the garbage. Don't litter. Yes. Don't let her throw it in the trash, whatever you want to call it. Just don't throw your stuff on the ground, right? So signs are important for three reasons. They give direction, signs give instruction, and they also provide protection. Signs give direction. They give instruction. And they also provide protection. Okay? And the way that you know that, especially how it plays 
with us in the kingdom is if you see, if you see certain signs, you know this person is legitimately from God. And there are sometimes, because there are other people, and we're going to take a look at this, um, demons, they can also manufacture and produce signs. And because there's so much illiteracy um, with the church today, uh, you have charlatans and crooks and, hoodwink and hoodwinkers that pimp, molest, and prostitute God's people in the church, and the people don't even know they're being fondled. They don't even know. Because he said this or she said this, and I know they got to be from God because that couldn't have happened. But do you really know? Do you really know? Because demons can also manufacture signs. All right? So let's take a look at this real quick. So in the New Testament, Jesus performed signs. All right? Jesus performed signs. The apostles performed signs. A deacon. Deacons don't have to be sleeping deacons. Or people that, you know, they have a bad rap and they say they just always want to fire the pastor. Deacons in the New Testament, Stephen, who was the first martyr in the New Testament, moved in power. He moved in demonstration. His first, how about this, his first sermon got him killed. That's deep. First and last sermon, you know how they, for ministers, you know how they call your first sermon your trial sermon? His, his was a trial summer for real. It put him on trial, and, and he was executed. He was killed. First martyr in the New Testament. But he was a deacon that moved in power. Prophets all throughout the scriptures performed signs. I'm talking about God's prophets. And evangelists performed signs. People talking about evangelists, I'd be like, do you, can you do anything besides preach? Because the pattern, the only model or template or pattern we have for the evangelist in the entire Bible is one person. Who is it? Who is it? Philip, who also started as a deacon. That's this, this good. The first deacon, Stephen, gets killed when he preaches his first sermon and he moved in power. One of the other deacons, one of the other seven evolves into the pattern of the New Testament evangelist, Philip. And he, he was so anointed that when he left the church in Jerusalem and went to, uh, where did he go, to Samaria? He went to Samaria. They said, they said miracles and wonders and signs and demons was coming out of all kind of people. People were responding to the, to the proclamation of the gospel and with the confirmation of the word that he preached. And so what happened was he had to actually call for backup. He had to call back to the church of Jerusalem and say, hey, you know, Peter and John, I need y'all to come down here to Samaria and establish this church down here. Because folk is just, you know, they love my ministry. And he like, and I ain't called the pastor. <laughs> he, like, I, he like the Ethiopian eunuch waiting on me. I got to keep this thing moving. <laughs> All you blessed shepherds, I need you to come down here and take care of this business. All right, so that, but we also, uh, like I just said, that demons can perform signs. Let's take a look at this. And the Bible actually talks about this in 2 Thessalonians. 
the second chapter of the ninth verse, it calls them signs and lying wonders. That's, that's something, ain't it? It says the lawless one performs signs. The beast performs signs. In, in Revelation 13, 13, this, this demon was so anointed that this is actually one of the satanic trinity. He was so anointed, right? He was so anointed that in that uh, passage, he actually called fire down from heaven. That's something. I only know one prophet that ever did that, and that was Elijah. So you got demons that can do the same thing, right? Deception. They said that one of the reasons why these demonic entities move in signs is so that they can deceive people. And it's happening. It's happening today, right before our eyes. Revelation 16, we took a look at that last week. We talked about how that there were um, three spirits, the spirits of demons that, was, that were frog-like in nature that came out of the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They move and perform signs. You got demons moving the most signs in the people of God. That's jacked up. Like the kids say, that's cray, that's cray, that's cray cray. How you got, how do you have forbidden entities, lying spirits that's nasty in nature and they moving most signs in the church? That's a shameful God. You've got the false prophet, Revelation 19, that performs signs. You also have in Matthew 24, Jesus talked about false Christs, people who are falsely anointed. Because Christ is the Greek word Christos. It means to be anointed. So he ain't talking about like a little miniature Jesus. He's talking about people that are, that, are false, that are falsely anointed. False Christs and false prophets also perform signs so they can deceive people. That's something. That's interesting. Because I wonder how many times we've been in a conference, I'm talking about all of us, or watch TV or whatever, and someone that was not from the Lord was ministering to us. Or laid hands on us and prophesied to us. Because if you think about a prophet's ministry, okay, you're talking about the false prophet, right, which is part of the satanic trinity, or just false prophets, his agents. What do prophets do? What are the functions of the prophet? What, are the, what is the function of the prophet? Let's write this down. What are, what, are, what are prophetic functions? Just what you know. Somebody said edification. To edify. What? Exhort. We talking about, this is, I'm just talking about the real prophet. Comfort. Comfort. Foretell. Foretell or, or predict. So I said encourage. All better teach. Every prophet is supposed to teach and preach. Every, every prophet. Teach. Preach. If you're called to the fivefold as an, evan as an apostle, evangelist, a pastor, prophet, or teacher, you are called to preach and teach. You may not have the gift. I have a gift. I have the gift of a teacher. Okay, that's, that's one of my strongest graces. 
Everyone doesn't have a gift of a teacher, but everyone is called to teach. Amen, does that make sense? So if you're called as a fivefold, you're called to teach and to preach, all right? To instruct and to proclaim. What else? Prophesy. Prophesy. I'm glad that y'all didn't say that first. Praise the Lord. Some prophets also pastor. The Bible says in Acts 12 and 13 that in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers who served in leadership. They served in, in the pastorate. So some prophets pastor. What else? They established the foundation. Establish foundations. Oh, yes. Rebuke. Give direction. Boy, y'all, 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 y'all anointed now. Y'all flowing. Instruct. Yep, announce judgments. Announce judgment. Warn. Somebody said uh, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. Yes. Point people back to Christ. Point to Christ. Watchman or woman. God's mouth. Mouth. Eyes. And ears. And heart. Huh? Heart. Yeah, God's heart. Huh? Decree. And a, a decree or declaration is like the pronouncement of a new season. Uh, there are many people that say that uh, many of you may have heard, they'll tell you that either prophets aren't around today or you don't need them because you have the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's utterly false. And I'm going to tell you why. You, yeah, you've got the Bible. We've, we've got the Bible. But the Bible, and I'm not being sacrilegious, but the Bible deals in generalities. If you, got two, if you aspire to be married and you're a female, and you've got two godly men before you, and you don't know which one is the will of God, you know what you need? A word from the Lord. And if their name is something like Tyrone and, and whatever, and that's not found anywhere in Genesis to Revelation, you need to hear from God. Amen? That's the strength. That's one of the strength of the prophet's ministry, the rhema, the rhema word, okay? And so you need that. So folk that tell you that, I'll tell you they lying or they just ignorant. They don't know. And if you said it in here, I'm sorry, I just, but you just wrong. They confirm. Yes, miracle workers. Cast out demons. Man, listen, we could go on and on with this. They write. They're writers. They're, they're singers or psalmists. They're musicians. Poets, dreamers. Come on, dreamers. I mean, you know what I mean. So this is a lot of the function of the prophet, of God's prophets. And so, if the false prophet, if they thought that it was important enough that a person in the satanic godhead, 
need to be actually named as the false prophet, which is the false Holy Spirit. Because the dragon in Revelation 16, the dragon is uh, Satan. The one beast is the Antichrist. That's, that's the one that is the, the son, the fake son. And the false prophet is the false Holy Spirit. So a lot of times when you see manifestations and services or people say or they do things, you've got to have razor sharp discernment because everything that looked like God and smelled like God ain't God. And so if prophets, if God's prophets can move in all this, you know what the devil's prophets can? They do the exact same, but it's just false. It's the Greek word pseudo. False prophets, false teachers, the Bible teaches about. False apostles, what is one of the functions of the apostolic? Planting churches. That means we have false churches. False teachers, the Bible talks about false brethren. False converts. The wheat and the tail, they grow together. Some of these folk is false. So these are, things, these are things that are manufactured in the kingdom of darkness. And the exact same way that God's people move in some of these, or all of these things and more, you, got, you have the false prophet and his false prophets that move in the same thing. I've taught this, I don't know how many times. Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, is what that's called. From verses 4 through 11, seven verses, Jesus says three times, do not be deceived, don't let anyone deceive you, don't be deceived. And with him saying that, you know what happens still? We deceived. <laughs> Amen? False, all right? False. Now, here's one of the things that's interesting. This, uh, this whole thing of uh, God's agents, the devil's agents moving in signs and one, that's not a new story. That's not something that's new to us. What was the first time you saw that or heard of that? First time you ever saw someone that was not on God's team moving in producing miracles or signs? Huh? Um, biblically. Who? What happened in the book with Moses? The magicians of Egypt. They moved in power. Moses did this, they did it. Moses did it, they did it. Moses did it, they did it. Until something happened. What happened? And then what else happened? Anybody remember what else? God started anointing his servants with signs that they couldn't duplicate. Because our God is greater, nobody greater. And the exact same way that he did that then, he does that now. Because satanic agents, they can't move, they can't cast out demons. So the exact same way that God anointed his servants in the old covenant, to, he anointed them to such a degree of level that they could produce a sign that, that the false uh, magicians couldn't produce. In the New Testament, he did the same thing. He just took it a step further. He cast out demons. They can't produce that. That's why it's so important for us to be able to operate in that number one sign. Not to mention that large parts of our culture are completely demonized. 
You got pastors and apostles that are demonized. I'm talking about real ones. I ain't talking about false ones. I'm talking about real ones that have carried wounds and junk and tr from trauma, traumatic events from their childhood. And because there's been a lack of teaching and practical application surrounding this ministry, they've carried those things into the ministry. They've carried them into the ministry. And they prophesy with them. They preach with them. They sing with them. They rebuke, they exhort with them, they teach Bible study with them. And we wonder why, you know, we talk about things like, you know, church hurt or whatever. You know, anybody can say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. But if you really have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you're going you're gonna to get that thing right. Amen? But if there's a pattern of abuse, you don't never have to pray about leaving no church or leaving or whatever if a person is perpetually abusing you. You got to pray about staying in no marital relationship and he knocking you upside your head and choking the snot out of you. I got to pray. I think the Lord, no, listen, if God gave you what's called common. Common sense. And it's anointed. And you need to follow it. And don't allow religious leaders and teachers to take the word of God that's supposed to free you and to bind you and to tie you up with it. No, because the Lord said, you know, you know, God put together, let no man put us under. You know, you got to stay with him. And they, and they beating you down every single week. That's not the Lord. Amen? All right, so, um, so yeah, so they can't produce that, that, um, this sign uh, like we can, all right? And Jesus talked about that in Matthew, or Luke 11, uh, when they um, accused him of casting out demons by Beelzebub. They said, oh, man, you cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And he was like, bro, duh. He was like, he was like, why would Satan cast out Satan? Any kingdom or house that's divided against itself can't stand. Why would he do that? He wouldn't do that. You know, they was just salty because they probably wasn't anointed and couldn't move in nothing. And you know, it was, you know that's really why Jesus was killed, right? You know why he was killed? You know, sinners didn't kill him. Religious leaders killed him. Keepers of the law, the rabbis, the teachers, people in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. And you know why they killed him? Why'd they kill him? Why would they, why, why they, why, why'd they kill him? Why'd they... Why they why couldn't they hate his guts? Why? He was taking their money. How? Members were leaving the synagogue in droves. Look, the lady in Luke 13 had been bound with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. It was called a daughter of Abraham, was a faithful member of the synagogue. The rabbi couldn't deal with it. He couldn't even discern it, let alone deal with it. He couldn't discern it or deal with it. None of the, you know, like our time, none of the deacons could deal with it. None of the elders could deal with it. So she just, she was just bound until Jesus shows up at the church service one, one Friday night, one Sabbath. Sets this woman free and for the first time in almost 20 years she stands upright. Folks were heated 
they were mad. It was a business decision. He's make, he, we're bleeding money from our synagogues. Too many people are following these people, and they couldn't stop the signs. He had signs that were following his ministry. They couldn't stop it, so they had to stop him. Because they couldn't predict. Now, that's bad. You got demons that can produce signs, but even the religious folk couldn't even produce them. That's crazy. All right? So, uh, so let's take a look at this here. So casting out demons, what is it? It's two things. It's a miracle that's taking place, and it's a sign that the kingdom of God is present. So let me ask you this. So if no demons are not coming out, is, it, is the kingdom here? The kingdom's here? How do you know? What, what else, what other Bible, what other sign we got? Huh? They don't say that those are signs of the kingdom. If, if the kingdom, if the sign that the kingdom is present is casting out demons and no demons are being cast out, how do we know the kingdom is here? How do we know that? It's, how do we know? Amen? So it's a sign that the kingdom is present. The word cast out is the Greek word ekbalo. Cast out is the Greek word ekbalo. Some of you, so I dare one of y'all get on your new car, ekbalo on your plates. I might, I might get that. Ekbalo. Folks will be driving, they'll be like, what, eek, bell? I don't know what that is. <laughs> cast out is the Greek word ekbalo. It means to cast or to drive or to send out. To remove something with a notion of violence. In order to scripture, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent they take by force. To cast something out, look at that, excrement from the belly going into the sink. To draw out with force or to tear out. This is actually the definition from, the, from Vine's Bible Dictionary. All right? Casting out demons. Jesus gave you authority to do it. He gave you authority. All right? Some of y'all going to be some demon busters after these 12 weeks is over. You know, there was a man... Um, his name, was, uh, his name was Antipas, A-N-T-I-P-A-S. And, uh, and his name, this is deep, <laughs> okay, this is deep. And he was in, I can't remember what church he was in in the book of Revelation. He was a member of a church in Revelation. And his name, this name was Antipas, A-N-T-I-P-A-S. And God called him. He might have been a member of the church of Smyrna, if I'm not mistaken, Smyrna. And God called him his faithful, his faithful martyr. Because he was actually, actually killed, physically, literally killed. And, uh, and it was because 
He was a demon-busting fool. If you read the, the writings of the early church fathers, this dude was no joke. His name, and, and you should know it by his name, because his name, y'all know anti, in the Greek means what? Against. You got a compound word name. And pos means everything. <laughs> that boy was against everything. Anything that wasn't like God, he was against it. That's deep. And he, man, radical, like you use it like radical, you look it up and he is, that, that's probably was his middle name, Antipas Radical Jones or something. <laughs> and he just didn't tolerate people staying in bondage. He just didn't read about them, Antipas. It's one line on him in the entire Bible. Says, he said when they, when they martyred, he said something about Antipas, who is my faithful martyrs. But if you read the writings and the history of the early church fathers, he was murdered, he was killed because, because of his ability to cast demons out, effortlessly out of people's lives. You got to remember, I mean, this was something first century, right? This was like something that was uh, like new, all right? And, uh, and so they killed him. Why? Because he understood his authority. So he moved in it powerfully. Uh, here's what else you have to know about casting out demons. Mark 16, that you must believe in order to do so. And what I mean by that is not just believe with your mind, but believe with your mouth, right? You go to pray for someone, and you can tell that they're demonized. You can tell they're demonized, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks, signs of demonization or demonic oppression. And you can tell, you don't pray, Father, I just pray. No, you, you exercise the authority, that's all right, and you command them to come out. Come out of them in the name of Jesus. Come out of them, and they'll respond, okay? Um, our preaching, I talked about this earlier, our preaching should be marked with demonstration of the Spirit's power, including deliverance. All right, Mark 16, uh, 20 is my last scripture. It says, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out, his disciples went out and preached everywhere. The Lord was working with them, confirming the word through the signs that accompanied or followed their preaching. Accompanying signs. Confirming and accompanying. These are two words, two word studies on this next, on this last screen here. All right. Confirm means to make firm or to establish. One of the greatest ways that you establish or make disciples is by exhibiting or demonstrating the reality of the kingdom through the ministry of deliverance. And signs that follow means literally to imitate your teacher's example. So Jesus set this pattern or this precedent, right? He had a, he had a I always tell people that Jesus had a, um, that Jesus had a, he had a three-legged, he had a three-legged, like his ministry is like a three-legged stool, okay? Jesus' ministry in the New Testament was like three legs. Now, y'all know I can't draw, okay? One was, uh, one leg was preaching, teaching. There's a difference. One was healing. The other one was deliverance. He always did those three things. If you remove any one of those legs, you don't have a New Testament ministry. 
Because as he did, we also ought to do. And we give people just, we give people preaching, teaching, and we send them home sick. Or we send them home bound. But we preach to them. The faith, remember I talked about faith? We got enough faith to preach the Bible, right? Pistis, but no pistuo, no, no action. So, we, so we, we give them, we edify them in their mind, but we send them home bound or sick in their bodies. And there are people that have died prematurely and have gone home to be with the Lord prematurely because the church refuses to op operate in those two other legs. Amen? Because the church does not operate whether of ignorance or fear uh, or rebellion, right? And rebellion is I know I can do it, I'm anointed to do it, but I refuse to do it because I don't feel like, I don't feel like casting no demon out of nobody. I'm tired. I'm this, I'm that. So people do that all the time, right? And so you have these three legs. You remove any two of them. You remove any one, you don't have a New Testament ministry. Because the New Testament, Jesus is the cornerstone of the New Testament. Apostles and prophets lay the foundation. He's the cornerstone, and this is what he operated in. And accompanying signs means to follow in the steps of Christ. The steps that he, the path that he paved or laid, we also follow in those, in those same footsteps. And as you move out in, in belief, not just faith, you will have signs that follow. You always have to know, always. This is one thing that really helps me. I don't care where that I go to minister, whether it's here or abroad. I always know that God always wants to speak to people. He always wants to heal people. He always wants to set people free. And he always wants to save people. It's a package deal. So when I go into a meeting, I don't have to ask you know, God, do you want to save somebody? This is why I'm here. Or if everybody's saved, I can guarantee you somebody's sick or somebody demonized. So this is why I'm here, so I don't have to ask that. I just got to say, Lord, where are they? Show me where they are. Show me who needs to hear prophetically from you, and then anoint me, give me the word so I can prophesy to them. Show me who needs to be set free, right? And then I'll just move and I'll set them free. You know, that's not something you, you don't have to pray about folk getting saved. You know that he, he don't, the Bible says he doesn't want anyone to perish. So we already know that. So what do we do now? We move from, we move from head knowledge into action, belief. Belief. Moving in that. And as we move in that, you, you always have to know that God will, ne he will never leave you out on a limb to dry. He would never do that. There'll be times, there'll be times that I'm preaching and, uh, and I feel like I'm supposed to prophesy, right? Because sometimes you just have an, an unction. And, uh, and so I say, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to prophesy to somebody. There are times where the Lord will specifically highlight certain things to certain people. Uh, or I know I'm supposed to operate in deliverance. But you always carry all the goods at all times. It's like, a, it's like a, a, a weapon belt. You got weapons all on your belt. What do I need to pull out? They just, is they going to bow down with the handcuffs? Do I need this pepper spray or the maze? Do I need the taser or do I need to pull out this Glock? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> or the billy club. What do I do? You are the one that's deputized and authorized. You're the one determined what needs to be pulled off the belt. You don't call back to dispatch. 
Yeah, I've got somebody down here. They're looking kind of crazy. Yeah, they've got a gun in my face. I was just calling to see, can I, can, I, can I pull my gun out on them? You dead, Joker. But that's what the saints do when we encounter people. Hey, God, I just want to know, can I, you heal this person? He like, duh, I already have. We just read a second ago that Jesus is sitting down. He's seated. You know what you're doing when you're seated? You're chilling. <laughs> he like, I fulfilled my ministry. Now y'all fulfill yours. And hurry up and keep preaching so then I can come back and do part two. So we're the ones that say this situation calls for this kind of tool. And you just pull it and use it. This situation calls for this. This situation calls for this. So there might be times I come into a meeting and I know I'm supposed to prophesy to somebody and I just say, okay, I, just, I, I, feel, I feel the unction. I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't know who I'm going to say it to. And so now you get in and say, okay, Lord, who it is? And there's just ways that God has a way of making people stand out. And so when you say, hey, stand up, and even at that moment you don't know what you're going to say. But you got to say stand up. If you have an unction to prophesy to somebody, you tell them stand up. And as they stand, a second before you open your mouth, God will fill your mouth. And if you like trying to figure it out, it ain't going to happen. That's belief. God going to heal you today. And you saying in the back of your head, right, Jesus? <laughs> Aren't you? Because these signs, you confirm the word that your servants preach with signs that follow. And because that's already written in stone, whatever you gave me to preach, whatever you gave me to preach, I automatically know you're going to confirm it. I ain't got to pray about it. You're going to confirm it. Why? Because your word says so. Now you just show me, what are we doing? We're riding a wave today. You know, we're we, we paddling out in the deep. What are we doing? You let me know, and then I'm going I'm to ride with you, Jesus. Amen? All right. Any questions? Any questions? Questions? Comments? Anybody? We got one over here. When you were um, teaching us here and you were talking about the people like Stephen who got killed in the Bible with his first sermon and those demons manifested on the people, they even covered their ears not to hear it. And, and that they is, gnashed upon him. That is a very common thing in deliverance. Uh, one of the things that is very common when you pray for people, uh, particularly when you apply pressure, um, pressure, pressure as you pray and you press, um, is that a lot of times they'll cover their ears, they'll do this, they'll stick their fingers in their ears, they turn their ears down, they do, that's a very, very common thing when you're, when you're ministering to people, uh, when you're ministering deliverance to people. Why? Because they know, demons are smart, they know that you have power over them. They know that. 
right? And they know that if they're found out, that they're going to eventually have to go. You know what I mean? And if you stay with it, I tell, I mean, we say here all the time, like, you know, you show up at our church and you got demons, you showed up at the wrong church because we, we like, you know, we got like rabies. Like we ain't, it's like, no, we would just, we will pray until, we gonna pray until something happen. And I've learned that if nothing don't happen, I've, this is what I've learned, that if nothing don't happen, that it wasn't a demon. If nothing happens, it's not a spirit. It's mental illness, it's charades, uh, it's all different kinds of stuff because they have to respond. They have to. And when people know, you, you know that they have to respond, I don't care how long it takes, how long it takes, they're going to eventually break. So they play games, they stick their finger in their ear, they, uh, man, we didn't see folks go to sleep, uh, I mean, you name it. I got to go to the bath. There was one time there was a, a person, uh, and I don't know how this happened, but a lady came on her cycle in the middle of while we were praying for her. I got to go to the bathroom. It's a ploy. It's a tactic. Whatever I can do to get out from under this pressure, I got to go. So we'll, so we'll send some of the, the dummies, some of the foot soldiers, the frontline soldiers, and let them go so big dog can stay. So you have to use the gifts, use the fruit, use the team that you minister with, and ask the Lord to help as he leads you. Amen? But they will. That's a very common thing. They, they stop their ears. Yeah. Okay, hold on. I'm, she was part two. This is part two. I wanted to say thank you from when we um, first got started. You told us, you mentioned about opposition as we are learning this and moving in this. You know, the opposition tries to discourage you or make you stop. Yeah. You can't stop. Yes. Okay, I was given a question. Do you have to be present with the person to cast the demon out of them? What does the Bible say? Do we, do, we, do we have any example, any biblical example? What happened? He said, when you get back home. He said, when you get back home, your daughter or son or whatever it was, they're going to be all good. That's, that's, I've cast demons out over the phone before, talking to people. They called me in a panic. Things happened. I remember one day that happened, I was out doing something with my kids on a Saturday, and uh, somebody called, and he was like, oh, apostle, and I was like, and I heard him in the back, tearing up stuff. I said, hey, put that phone, that phone up. I said, you listen to my words. Ah! And I was like, what they doing? He said, she, she listening, she listening. They come out of her in the name of Jesus. You could do that all on Skype. Y'all got scared, didn't y'all? <laughs> like Pastor Hagen's laugh got me last week. <laughs> you reap what you sow, amen. And uh, yeah, you can do that on Skype, uh, all kind of stuff. You know, and that was the pattern uh, that he gave us. Whoever said that, Jason, that was the pattern that he, uh, that he gave us. And I don't, you know, you don't practice that all the time. 
uh, you know, I, I like to be with people. And uh, it's, a, it's a ministry of mercy and compassion. And uh, where you can see, you know, see God healing them and mending them. There's nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? There's just nothing like that. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, spoke about the, the, the difference between the faith and uh, the belief because too many times you, you hear people and even amongst the, uh, us Christians, uh, we talk about that we have faith in God. And the world, they talk about they have faith in God. And just an example of uh, there's some uh, people that I know, you know, on my, on my job, um, they got sickness in the family, you know, and uh, it was, it's, it's cancer, basically. And, you know, they, they talk about how, how much they believe God, but there's so much fear yeah. in the unknown. Yes. And one of the things that I had mentioned to them, I said, look, I said, you know, too many times in, in, in our religious form, we talk about having faith in God. But if you really have faith in God, then you're going to believe on his word. And his, his word says that, you know, love casts out fear. If you got a relationship with God, then it, it, it takes you into, into that belief. But if you don't have a relationship, you, you can say you have faith in God yeah. and there's no, nothing that is being exercised. Yeah. There's nothing that is, is showing fruit of it. And I mean, it's so crazy on Facebook. You look on Facebook and you have folk who will talk, say something uh, about God and the next, next word they're saying, they're cussing. I had, or, I had a delete I, dude yesterday for that. He was talking about something. I was just like, oh my God, just, and I don't do that all the time because I, I intentionally, um, engage the non-believer on uh, on social media because it's a, it's you're going into the world. Facebook is a world. You know when they prophesied that years ago, they probably had no idea that you know we were going to have a world called Facebook or a world called Instagram or a world called Twitter. Right? These are worlds. These are social orders, and so we are to go into that and to be strategic and intentional about reaching people there. Amen. And, um, and so, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you just get burnt out. You just be like, do bye. All right. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard it said before that you should not cast demons out of somebody who doesn't want deliverance because of the verse that says um, that if an uh, evil spirit leaves a person, it'll go out and wander and then bring seven back yeah. or even worse. Is that true? It's very true. We don't, like our church here, we don't, if you... If we um, go to pray for you and we discern that you're not a believer, um, and we'll ask you about that before we pray. Uh, that's one of the things our, how our team has been taught. And if a person says, um, yeah, but no, I don't want Christ, we'll pray for you generally, but we will not minister deliverance to you. Okay. No, we won't. We won't. We won't do that because of that very reason. I had a second question uh -huh. too. Thank you so much for that. I love how thorough you are. I gotta admit, I was kind of skeptical before I came here, but like after listening to your teaching, I'm like, oh my gosh. You're like, praise the Lord. Yeah. They ain't crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then the other question I had was that um, just, this is like all really new to me. Okay. But over the past couple months, I've been experiencing like different breeds of demons. Yeah. And the Lord has been giving me a crash course and like how they function and 
um, I've been trying to do my own research like yeah. online, and I've heard that like, um, for example, like the Python spirit or the spirit of divina That's divination. That's Acts 16, 16, yeah. Yeah, um, that that one is like only cast out with like praise and worship because of what Paul and Silas did in the prison. Are, are there like certain tactics, like battle tactics when you're dealing with specific demons? Yeah, so the, uh, that spirit of divination in Acts 16, 16, um, in the Greek it's called Python. That's the actual name of that, that spirit. Um, and that typically comes from occult practices. Yeah. Occult. Occult is a Latin, uh, the Latin meaning means secret. So like when you are involved in secret societies, Freemasons, Eastern Star, I might be stepping on some of y'all toes, I don't even care. Freemasons, Eastern Stars, uh, uh, you know, uh, what it, palm reading, fortune telling, you're talking to the dead, necromancy, um, uh, you know, what a tea leaf reading, you know, old wives tell your grandmama talking about, come here, baby, let me take this needle and put it on this thread. And are oh, you pregnant? You're going to have it go this way. You have a boy, go this way. You have a girl. All that is demonic. And you are to stay away from that sorcery, uh, witchcraft. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's anchored in divination. And, um, and you got, you got that. I mean, people practice that. Some of y'all still read the horoscope. Some of y'all still run around talking about you a cancer in the Gemini. Why would you want to be a cancer? Just think about that. Seriously? I'm born in December. Why would I want to be a half man, half horse? See, God doesn't have a problem with you knowing the future. He just has a problem with how you find out the future. And you can't tap into any of those other means. If you do, you open your Ouija boards and... That kind of stuff. You are asking for uh, uh, the Charlie challenge and uh, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you are asking for trouble, Jack. Trouble. We drill this into our children. When that whole Charlie challenge thing happened, uh, they try to do that on some of our kids. My kids, my daughters at school. And my kids called me from the playground on their cell phone. Dad! <laughs> These girls, they're doing a Charlie challenge because one of them, a demon, actually bit this girl's leg. So they did that, and then she had markings on her leg, and her leg was bleeding on the playground. And so my girls, because we teach them, our kids, about spiritual warfare. So we taught them about it, so when we, it was a fad and it hit, I was like, hey, if somebody at your school do this, don't fool with it. This is what you're going to do. If you forget what I'm telling you, call me. And they called me. I said, put me on speakerphone. I started praying for all of the kids. I kid you not. All of the kids, I said, listen, don't y'all touch that stuff. You just saw what just happened to that girl? Don't do it. This stuff is not make-believe. Don't do it. People paying, now listen, I know, y'all paying to go to Fright Fear Fest at, at uh, Kings Island. You're going watching, you got, you practicing, playing Halloween. and Demons, you are inviting. You are paying to be demonized. You are, think, just think about it. You are paying. Why? If, if the Bible says God didn't give you a spirit of fear, why would you pay for a spirit of fear to scare you? Let's, listen, we can be in the world but not of it. I'm not a religious person. I'm not religious superstitious. I have a lot of liberty and freedom in Christ. But it's just certain things you ought not to fool with. 
Don't fool with it. Don't dress your kid up like no witch or no warlock or no goblin. And I my Halloween, it's just candy. Kid. If it's just candy, go buy him some tonight. Enough to last him through. I do November 1st. If it's just candy. Amen. And then, can I vent for a minute? Then they make my life hard. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because then folk do this stuff. But this is what, I mean, when, you know, this is, you call a servant. So servants are like, you're a nurse. You're an occupational therapist. When people do things and they bring harm on themselves, you can't be like, I'm not going to treat you because you should have known better to smoke. You should have known. No, that's not what you do. You're a servant. And so you serve them and you care for them even if you disagree with their lifestyle. And so when people end up dabbling with this stuff, and, and, de- and getting demonized, and then they, I don't know how they find our church. We don't, all, we, don't, we don't say on our website, we deal with demons. I don't know how people find this stuff out. But people will call. I, I'm so serious. God is my witness. We've had people drive from Louisville and Lexington before. Hey, we heard y'all deal with evil spirits. And how, how did you find out? There's not a referral service. We don't advertise it. Well, somebody told me, my cousin, and so on, so on, can we come up? I mean, what are you going to tell them? No. So then you're like, oh, yeah. So you send them the paperwork, and then they send it back, and you see all of what they're dealing with, and then you know what I have to do? Now I got to fast. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, I can't eat for three days. Jesus, walking around all skinny, pants off, falling. I'm like, gosh, I like to eat like y'all like to eat. Yeah, fast, and you come, and you know what I'm saying? You got to pray with them. You know, they come to service. You pray with them sometimes two, three hours. Because, you know, it's like inner healing. It's like you're just unraveling the layers. The layers. You know, if they've been demonized since they was four, you know, like you guys know that story about, um, uh, it's in Matthew's gospel, Mark, and Luke, about, they call him uh, the maniac of Gadara, the man with legion. You know, in Matthew, Matthew, they actually talk about it was two men. So when Jesus came, it was, it was actually two men that had legion. And legion was a Roman term. Does anybody know what, what it was? It was actually this. Legion was a Roman military term that actually meant 6,126. You had soldiers. You had 6,000 soldiers. And then you had 126 horsemen and horses. So when the Bible says that these two men had legion, a peace, you're talking about almost 13,000 demons. They were completely demonized. Amen? Completely, completely demonized. And Jesus just said, hey, okay. Bam. And after that, 
And it looks like if you read Mark, you read Luke, Mark and Luke both just talk about one person. And it's actually, you know what actually happened? I, now, I, this is just what I believe. I believe that those guys were actually believers. A lot of people write and they say that, they, that there's no way that they could have been believers. Now, you know, we didn't have Christians until Acts. So everything from Matthew up into early Acts, they were just called believers or followers of the way, all right? And the reason why I believe from my study of that story that they were believers is because immediately after Jesus cast the demons out of them, the Bible says that when those demons went into those 2,000 pigs and the pigs jumped off the cliff, would let you know that they, would want, that they were dealing with the spirit of suicide. That was just one, because the pigs just went and jumped off a cliff. So they were suicidal, self-harm, they were cutting themselves, they were naked, living in the, amongst the tombs, they were, had superhuman strength, strength because they were, uh, they were bound with fetters and chains, and the Bible says no one could tame them, they would break the chains. You're talking about break every chain. Break, they was breaking the chains. Right? But it says after their encounter, it said the first guy in Mark's gospel, Mark 5, it said when he saw Jesus, the first thing that he did, does anybody know? He worshiped him. What sinner do you know know how to worship a savior? That word, the word worship in the New Testament is the Greek word proskuneo. And it literally means like a dog licking his master's hand. That's what worship is. And the same John 4, that God the Father seeks those that will proskuneo them in spirit and truth, right? It's talking about having such affection for your master. It's like when your dog, you come home and he's so happy to see you. And he just wants to be up on you and lick you and you're like, get out, get away from me. And you know, I could walk my dog, I got a little dog, little, some kind of dog, I just, and I walk, <laughs> and I could walk, and now I've got her to a point, <laughs> now she, I, can't, I ain't broke her, I think she got a, a thieving spirit. Because I ain't broke her from stealing food from the kids off the table. She's so smart. But I can walk her in the neighborhood off leash and she won't run. Why? Because she listens to her master. That's what worship is. So it said that first guy, Mark 5, as soon as he saw Jesus, the first thing he did was worship him. Right? So Mark, so he does that. And then when they encounter him, it says that the guys were clothed, sitting down, and now they were in their right minds. And this is the tripped out part. This is why I believe that they were believers. Right? Because immediately, one goes off and starts preaching in his hometown. It's a Greek word, caruso. It means to preach. To preach. One goes, starts preaching in his hometown immediately. And the next one goes into an area called Decapolis, a regional area, 10 cities. And he starts preaching. What sinner do you know after they meet Jesus right away that's ready to preach the gospel? They had probably been raised in the temple. They, you know that they were Jews because Jesus was only sent to Jews. They were Jews, so they had, they had went through bar mitzvah, which means at the age of 12 or 13, they had to stand before the rabbi, so they, uh, they had the Torah memorized from Genesis, uh, Genesis, Exodus, I mean, what? Come on, Jesus, just the Exodus, the number Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. They had it memorized. They had to recite that. That's bar mitzvah. So they knew the word, and now they encounter the word. And when they encountered the living word, the word that had been dead on the inside of them in the tombs came alive, and now they went and started preaching the word. 
And people were coming to, to, to faith in Yeshua because of these crazed, deranged, maniac guys that had over almost 13,000 demons between the two of them. Ain't that something? Now that's just my interpretation. I just don't, I don't know, I don't know no sinner. As you ready to go preach, not tell your testimony, to preach the gospel immediately after you just came butt naked from the tombs and they give you a suit and you're worshiping and preaching? Y'all come to your own conclusion. Amen. Any more questions? Yes. Pastor, um, you had talked about um, a believer, like the signs of a believer is being able to, one of them is cast out demons. Um, I actually had this conversation last week, but the scripture that talks about, um, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Can you kind of like elaborate more on that? Because I know some people say like, Speaking in tongues, casting out demons is not really a true sign of a true believer. Yeah, um, that passage that you're talking about, that's in Matthew 7, um, I believe. Does anybody know, so she's, uh, that, that particular passage of scripture is talking about um, people that didn't know the word no, the word no in the Greek is the Greek word gnosko. And it means intimate relationship. Like a husband and a wife have. In, I'm talking about intimacy, which is your primary ministry. It's intimacy with the Father. Amen? Knowing him. Knowing him so that you can minister effectively in his name. So there are people, believing people, that are operating in the prophetic, operating in deliverance, operating in various gifts of the spirit that are going to fall away from the Lord. Because he told them, depart from me. And the word iniquity in the Greek is this exact same word. Worker of lawlessness. So people that think that they are above the law or live not according to the law. Now I know we've been taught, people say that, you know, the law is, we don't live by the law. That's not true. He, he didn't abolish the law. He did what? He fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law. So we don't, we don't live by the ten anymore. We live by the two. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, you won't have idols. You won't use his name in vain. You, know, you won't you know, covet another man's wife. You won't do any of those things if you love him and then you love people. So it was fulfilled. So it's like, no, we don't have to... Uh, look at two-tone stone tablets anymore because the Spirit of God now came and wrote the law in our hearts. So now we obey not externally but internally. We, we obey, right? And so if the Lord says, hey, you wrong, you did this, right? As we're led by the Spirit now, you apologize, you repent, you confess, you do stuff right, you don't act like, you know, that there's a God that we live for and that we don't really know. And so you have people that are like that, that live 
in a very lawless fashion. And that's not something that was exclusive to the New Testament. You also had that in the Old Testament. You had, uh, you had um, Hophni and Phinehas. They were Eli who raised Samuel. They were his sons. They were part of the priesthood. And you know what they were doing? They were stealing money and they were sleeping with women. They were prostituting the priesthood. They were stealing church money and they were sleeping with the saints. And you know what God did? He killed them. Why? Because they thought that they were above the law. But guess what? They were a part of the doggone priesthood. Amen? Now, in the New Testament, even though we have different functionality, we all are priests. We're all a part of the priesthood now. You don't have to be born of the tribe of Levi. We all are part of the priesthood now, right? And the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about that any person that defiles the temple... Now, you're not called to keep Solomon's temple or the temple in Jerusalem. You're called to keep this temple. And it says, any person that defiles the temple, God will judge and destroy. So he's talking about saints. And in that context, they were talking about sexual sin in 1 Corinthians 6. Amen? And so people live above the law. They try to live above the law. But then... They still put on this facade, they come to church, they sing, they usher, they worship, I'm, I preach, pray, prophesy. I mean, there are very well-known ministers that have died in the last 10 years, and it was very known that they were, they were abusing drugs. Hard drugs. How are you going to be snorting cocaine and then go preach in a pulpit? Where's the fear of God? Are you serious? Where is, where is the reverence? Not for the saints, but for him. Where's the fear of God? And there was a preacher, Bishop George Bloomer, who operates heavily in deliverance. He was kind of one of the forerunners. And he actually admitted on open television that he had, you know, he had gotten divorced. He had kind of spiraled down in a, in a, a depression, right? But, you know, you build this lifestyle around, you know, he, did, he shared this openly, I think, on Lexi's, Lexi TV or something. And he, or on maybe on the Word Network or something. And he, you know, built this lifestyle and ministry because of, you know, who he was, right? And he was on his way to his church to go teach Bible study. And he rode down in the hood from where he used to get high years ago to go buy, it was either some heroin or some cocaine. He was going to toot a few lines, and then he was going to go to service and go minister. And the dope dealer that he had been ministering to for years in the community said, Bishop, I can't sell you this stuff. I can't, Bishop Bloomer, I can't sell you this. And he said when that happened, it like snapped him into reality. He was like, Bishop, what are you doing here? You taught us better than this. Now, I know I ain't where you are, but I'm just saying you taught me better than this. I'm not, we're not selling no dope to you. And he drove off. He was spared. There have been others who have not been spared. So we can't live above the law because teachers five-fold people you already are being judged at a higher standard than the people you teach that's what the bible says in james you're already being held to a higher higher account so those that have you to feel called to the five-fold just know you're going to be judged differently because you're the teacher they're the students you're the teacher so you ought to know better you know what i'm saying 
And so when you have people like that scripture, Matthew 7, when Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never gnosko. I never knew you. I never knew who you were. You operate in my name. You do this in my name. You do all these things. But I don't know you. I don't have an intimate relationship. Get out of here. And be banished to darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's serious stuff. Yes, questions? Yes. Where? Yes. The example of um, the guys, the men in the tombs, and Jesus sending the demons into the pigs. When you cast out a demon, is there a place that you send them so that, or can you forbid them for going anywhere else? Um, yeah, no, there's not mean? a specific place you send them. Um, I would like to send them to hell, um, but, but we don't have that authority yet. But why did they go into the pigs? You might know. Yeah, they actually go into the pigs. It's like, okay, you about to cast us out. Hey, can we go through these pigs, though? And because Jews didn't deal with pork, right, that farmer had to have been a Gentile. Because Jews didn't deal with pork. It was against Mosaic law. So Jesus like, yeah, you can go to them nasty pigs. So they did all 12,000 whatever, 12,000 whatever, 6,126 times two is. All of them went to those 2,000 pigs. They dove off the cliff and died. And you know, you know what the Bible said after that? All the people in the region begged him to leave. Please. I just lost a lot of money. I know that you, Mr. Messiah, you're only called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But man, why you have to send them to my pigs, though? We like bacon. We like pork chops. And they sent them. He sent them there, and that man lost a whole herd. That's messed up. That was a lot, that was a lot of bacon he lost. Somebody had a hand up. Yes. Well, we a little off the subject, but hallelujah. Um, are we going to learn about different um, objects? You was talking about the python spirit and some other spirits and divination. And um, I happened to be in um, Norfolkgate Mall, and um, they had some leather coats in there. My daughter was like, when you was talking about your children, she was like, we can't go in there. I was like, why? And I looked up, and it was when um, the um, dream catchers. Oh, okay. In the store, big ones, small ones. And so I was just wondering, will we be able to, yeah, are we, we going to talk about objects? Yeah, we, objects? Definitely, we definitely can. Um, Deuteronomy 7.25 talks about being mindful of the types of objects you bring into your home. Um, and you definitely have to because certain objects, like we did it, like, you know, like if I, have, I get a new car, uh, come on, a, a washing machine, a bike. One of the things I do is I, de I, I'm, I lay hands on it and I dedicate it to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, bless this bike. Bless this car. Love your words. Say the blessing of the Lord make rich, add no sorrow. God, you gave me this car. I thank you for minimal sorrow. Because it's something you gave me. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And it shouldn't be a burden to me. Right? So we bless. I bless. I don't know about y'all. I bless. Like if something go out before I go buy something, I get some oil in a minute. And I'll anoint an appliance. In the name of Jesus, I need that condenser to resurrect. 
You hit that thing, sometimes it worked, amen. And so if we do that, if we do that, just imagine witches probably do that. Practitioners of the demonic or Satanists, they, they, of course they do that. Hoping that through ignorance we bring these things into our home. And I always tell people, like if you're having demonic, um, if you're having demonic visitation, like has anyone ever been held down like by a demon? Like while you're sleeping, right? And a lot of people will tell you, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, demons can't touch you or whatever. Well, can you just please explain to me what that is? I just, I just, I, aren't you saved? Don't you love the Lord? Aren't you, you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Aren't you covered by the blood? Why was that demon on you then? What was he doing in your house? Why, why, why do believers all over the world have the same testimony? Something grabbed me and I felt like I couldn't move, I couldn't talk. Can you, find, can you give me a chapter and verse for that in the Bible? No, it ain't nothing in there, but you know being attacked by demons are. But people tell you, you know, it ain't in there, you know, you can't, you know, whatever. Demons, sometimes when we have objects in our homes, um, they are, they've been dedicated, like as an idol, uh, to a certain demon or to a certain uh, demonic entity. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols because that was a big part of their practice and their culture uh, in the first century, right? They were still cutting up bulls and bullocks and all of that kind of stuff. And then once they dedicated this, uh, they presented this meat as an offering to Artemis or, uh, or you know, some of these false deities, uh, Molech, uh, Chemosh, Ashtoreth, they would then take that meat because in their mind, it was the, not only the best part or portion, but now it was blessed. And then they would take it to the markets and they would sell it. And so Paul told the Corinthians, listen, when you go to the market, watch the meat that you buy. Don't, buy. don't buy meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Why? Is there something wrong with the meat? No, but it's the practice of what they did. And so that same thing, so like if you travel internationally or whatever, I mean, you ain't travel internationally, you just go to some of these festivals, be mindful of the things that you bring back into your home. Because if you bring something to your home and then like that same night you're getting choked, like something choking the snot out of you, Nine times out of ten, it's because you brought the wrong thing. So we can talk about that if you uh, remind me of that. That's Deuteronomy 7.25. Yeah, X. Okay. Um, you, you spoke a little bit about it just now and then last week. Uh, my question is, um, believers who deal with uh, unresolved issues or um, like basically spirits, because you dealt with the misconception that, you know, a believer can't deal with spirits and different things like that. Uh, can can uh, undelivered area in a believer's life contradict or or compromise their salvation? So even though they're saved, they believe or even love the Lord, can that become an area of compromise? Whereas it compromises their salvation. Uh, what do you mean, like? Like, can they not be saved? Can they right. lose their salvation? Can, I, I got saved, I'm still, you know, I'm still demonizing this area. Will that contradict or compromise their salvation? Like when they die, do they still go to heaven or whatever? Oh, great question. So, um, so one of the things I found out with the Lord is that uh, the Bible says in Proverbs that he who covers his sin won't prosper. So when you try to, when you try to cover your sin, um, God will expose your sin. You got to allow God to cover your sin and then you're in safekeeping. Because all of us have sin. Every single one of us in here tonight struggling with something. 
It can be pornography, it can be masturbation, it can be lust, it can be lewdness, it could be theft, it could be whatever. Everybody in here dealing with something, pride, arrogance, whatever. You're dealing with it, but how do you deal with it? Is it a place, in a posture of humility where you're asking the Lord for his grace and his help because you actually loathe what you do or what you touch, right? Do you hate that? Or do you find no conviction in what you touch, what you look at, what you... My concern is when a person is not even convicted. When there's no, when you're, uh, when, you, when you start doing things and you have a, and you go from, uh, into a pattern or a lifestyle of sin, one of the, one of the things that happens to believer or non-believer is your conscience becomes seared. First Timothy 4 talks about that, your conscience can become seared like a, like, they, like a hot iron, like an iron is pressed on it, and it burns initially, but it's continued to stay there, and your conscience is seared. And if your conscience is seared, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, prompts you in your conscience, conscience means with knowledge. The Holy Ghost lives in us, in our spirit, but he communicates to us through, through our intellect, right? He drops his thoughts into where we understand and where we rationalize things in the area of our soul. And so when, when you perpetually and intentionally have a lifestyle or a practice of sin, you will start to lose those promptings, those feelings. And then you, you get off into just, well, you know, I ain't, uh, you know, I ain't getting in trouble. It don't seem like I've reaped where I've sown. So a lot of times people continue to do that. And that's, that's a very, very dangerous place to be. A very dangerous place to be. Only the Lord can rescue um, us out of those places. Amen. Because you, uh, you can go for lengths of time with, uh, with sin in your heart or in your life. Uh, that you don't even know is there. You can't know it unless the Holy Spirit show it to you. Amen? Like David, after he sinned with Bathsheba, he still reigned and governed like wasn't nothing wrong. Slept with this woman, got her pregnant, and then had her husband killed. And you just got to think about that. Nine, at least almost a year passes because she has the baby. So at least nine months go by. She has the baby before Nathan trots up in his palace. Folk hate the prophets. You better thank God for the prophets. David, I've got a story to tell you. Please, you know. He tells David this parable, and that's crazy. That is so crazy because a parable is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And Jesus had to teach in parables to those who were not saved because the natural man can't discern or understand spiritual things. And David was called a man after God's own heart, right? He wrote Psalm 51 and all kind of stuff. I mean, he was the real deal. So if Nathan had to come and talk to him in a parable, that lets you know how out of touch he was with God. He had to, because then David says to him, who is that man? He said, David, you're the man. And that's when repentance hit and took place. And he wrote Psalm 51 as a result of that. That's where Psalm created me a clean heart, O oh God. Purge me with his renewer right spirit within me. That's how Psalm 51 came after that confrontation with Nathan. That's how, that's how it happened. That's how it came. That's, that's that story, how that happened. That's how far off he was with the Lord. And you know, you know that he had to be communing with the Lord daily still. You know what I'm saying? Going through the motion. Not even sensitive or aware enough that God is completely 
completely not even listening to his prayers. That's that lawlessness you were talking about, man, Matthew 7, where he, was, he thought he was above the law. He should have, and, and, and it speaks a lot to position, because the Bible says in that text, it says in the spring at the times when kings go off to war, he was on the rooftop. You should have had your butt on the battlefield with your men. And that speaks to when you're not operating in purpose. When you're operating in purpose, you don't have the right to be like, I'm chilling in the cut. I'm going to send them off and do that. And that, because he did that, that got him into trouble. And because of that, the sword of judgment was forever in his house. He was forgiven, but he always reaped consequences. His daughter was raped. Absalom, you know, rebelled on him, tried to take the kingdom. I mean, he had serious problems after that because of that one encounter. Amen. So you definitely don't want to be in a, a place where you're trying to cover uh, your own sin, hide and act like don't nobody know. And, uh, you, know, you know, asking the Lord uh, for help uh, because the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the only one that can help us. Amen? Yeah. Uh, hold on one second. We got a, oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Hold on one second. We had a question over here. Oh, over here on the end. Um, can I share uh, something that happened to me when... Um, when I went to somebody's house, they asked me to come and pray over their house, and you were talking about objects. Um, I had told them I would come and pray over your house, but um, since I'd never cast out demons or anything before, because I just said, I'm going to fast and pray first. Amen. A smart woman. And um, I'm taking somebody with me, somebody that's willing to fast and pray too. Yeah, boss. Okay. <laughs> so when I did that, um, I. I was a rookie, I had no experience. As soon as I knocked on the door, they said, um, come in, Nina, and I'm like, how did they know my name? <laughs> because I didn't know them. Right. And I mean, I was about ready to run, I mean, run. <laughs> and I could hear the Holy Spirit say, fear not, Yeah. you know. So I mean, it's like, okay. So the lady had done, informed me that she felt that she had a mocking spirit in yeah. her house and yeah. i'm like okay i mean i already had that knowledge because she told me that amen and so when i got into the house and my friend was with me we began to pray in the spirit walk around and um at that point uh, my friend said i believe that there's something in that dresser drawer over there oh. <laughs> and i'm like okay so we're walking around the room and we're praying and she goes over to the dresser drawer and and I know this was the spirit of the Lord that led her to that object because it was a CD of the Insane Clown Potsy. And I have never in my life ever heard of that and band. And they look so crazy on their CD cover. They look And the so minute crazy. that she found that CD, the girl that had been listening to it had started to manifest. Mm, yeah. I mean, immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> she said immediately. <laughs> And immediately I wanted to run because I had never seen anybody manifest before. Yeah. But I took the whole family downstairs and began to uh, teach them in the word about because she was cutting herself and threatening to commit suicide and all that stuff. So I took them downstairs and sh uh, shared the word with them about when they were cutting themselves on Mount Carmel and Elijah called down the fire of God. And... As soon as that happened, she ran into the bathroom and began to vomit, and wow. we ran in behind her and began to pray. But I wanted to share that because she said about objects, yeah. and, and you know, to have the gift of discernment to be able to, to well, 
I mean, God, we prayed in the spirit because I didn't even know what I was doing. Amen. On, on, on we, that, all, so. we all don't to a certain degree. I don't care how much experience you have and how much you operate in it. I think these demons, they've been at this thousands and thousands of years. And so even though we have power, they have the advantage of experience over us. Right. And, um, and they know that. And uh, so every time you go in, you go in with the, heart of the, the posture and the heart of a student because we don't know. Um, you're, you're, you're praying for someone that you can see um, that is tied up with some, something and some things that you can't see. And uh, so it's, it's such a dependency uh, on the supply of the Holy Spirit asking us, leading us. Lord, are we done? You know, are they, you know, are they, you know, is there something else there? Um, and it's just, it's just amazing how, um, how that works and how in tune uh, the Holy Spirit is with that person's life and how, how greatly he wants to help people. And that was going to be one of my questions and then you already answered it is because I was a rookie and I didn't have the witness of the spirit is telling me I've anointed you to go to that house I just thought I was moving by faith okay I'll fast and pray and go yeah and then when you mentioned having the unction yeah you, you don't have to have no unction for deliverance like I actually have an unction right now like I, I like I feel like demon busting <laughs> I'm serious like I have an unction right now, um, but you don't have to have no unction. Like you don't have to have an unction to lead nobody to Christ. And salvation is all in one package. Healing, deliverance, salvation, it's all in the same. It's the Greek word sozo. It's all in the same package. It's all, all one in the same. And uh, so it's just you know, unwrapping a gift, going in the box, pulling the other gift out. Here you go, going in, pulling the other one out. Here you go. So you don't have to have an unction. There are times when the Lord will say, Pray for this person, do this. Um, he, uh, Paul had the, uh, Paul understood or he felt that Lydia, the seller of purple in Thyatira in the book of Acts, he could discern that her heart was open to the gospel. Um, and so he moved uh, in that, shared the gospel with her, ended up planting the church in her home. So sometimes the Lord does that, but then there are other times that you don't have a leading. Um, you just, you, you probe, you ask questions. Uh, we always teach our, our altar team, our ministry teams here, that when you pray for people, before you go in, conduct an interview. Ask them open-ended questions. Conduct an interview so you can get an interview of what's going on. Ask them, you know, how, how can I pray for you? Why'd you come to the altar? You know, what, what, you know, what, you know, what is it that I can, uh, you know, I can do for you? And a lot of times people say, oh, I need... Uh, you know, they don't, sometimes they don't know. I need this, I need that or whatever. And, and you just, you ask questions um, sometimes until you might get a leading or you just say, hey, let me just, you know, okay, let me just pray. You start praying and then they start manifesting. You know, okay, we got a live one here, you know. Yes, Linda. Um, I just wanted to see the examples that you just used. Um, is that the same thing as a reprobate mind in Romans chapter 1? And the second part of that question is, when someone has a reprobate mind, can they come back from that? I don't, that yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, if they're reprobate, I don't think they can come back. Um, when a person, there's like a progression of sin. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times even people say, like, all sin is sin. That's not true. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Um, there's a reason why the Bible uses terms like sin, which is the Greek harmartia, which means to miss the mark, lawlessness, iniquity, transgression. There's different, there's different levels of disobedience, which requires different levels of consequence. 
And uh, the Bible talks about in the New Testament that there's a sin, you can sin, but it's not unto death. Right. And uh, so there are different levels. And so there's a progression sometimes based on uh, the heart of a man or of a woman. Um, I think that before a person gets reprobate, um, that the Lord, he's, the, Lord, the Lord loves humans more than we really can fathom. Um, he does. I mean, you know, just think about it. He sent his only child so that all of humanity can have a relationship with him. I mean, that's, we can't even, I can't, you can't even fathom that, all right? I wouldn't give, I got six of them. I wouldn't even give one of them away, let alone my only one, right? And uh, so I think by the time a person gets to a reprobate, they've already been through searing of conscience, um, the, holy, the, the Lord sicken demons on them. You know, that's one of the ways that, just like in the Old Testament, God would, you know, the children of Israel would rebel and he would send foreign nations to fight against them and they, they would turn back to him. How that happens now is he, he sends demons. Uh, you know, demons, they ask for permission based on our disobedience and he allows them to go. They wreak havoc for the purpose of repentance. But there are some people that just won't repent. And the Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation. And those people that refuse to repent are reprobate, and I don't think they can ever be saved. Yeah. That one all the way in the back. Oh. Um, yes. Yeah, I, this is, I'm new to all this, too, and just doing research. And so I've went and asked this question to seven different pastors of all different denominations. Uh -oh. And I got seven different answers. Yes, Jesus. Much. So um, the question you, you is... You started off more confused than you did when you started. Yes, exactly. Yes. So um, as a Christian, can you actually get possessed by a demon? Because I've heard you can be oppressed, but not possessed. But things that you've said have totally just rocked my world on yeah. that. Things that you said last week and then this week. Like the demon being on somebody, holding somebody down, would that be more of an oppression thing? They're just messing with them? Or would that be considered possession? Like, so I'm just all confused, I guess. Yeah, great, great question. We're actually, I think it's week four or five. We're going to really look at that in depth, the theology of it. Um, but you would be astonished to find out that the word possessed in the Greek is not even in your New Testament. It was translated from the Greek and the Aramaic into old King James English. They wrote possessed, but it was never possessed. It's diamonizomai. It means to be under the influence of demons, which is oppression. So there's not even possession in the Bible. And I believe that they did that. I don't know if they did that intentionally or unintentionally, but like if you ask those like pastors, well, tell me what is oppression? Because a lot of them make, they can't, maybe they might not even be able to articulate that. The word oppression is the Greek word katadinasto. And it means to be weighed down, for someone to take their power and to weigh down another person that is powerless, to tie them up, to hold them down. That's what oppress means, right? So if we can't be, if demons don't have any power over us, how in the world uh, can they exercise uh, their power over us? It's because we give place. We give place to the devil through our ignorance, uh, through neglect, through rebellion, through intentional sin, Ephesians 4, 27, talk, we give place, topos is the Greek word place. It means an area that's been marked off. It's like where we get the study of topography, all right, and, uh, or a topographical map. It's, it's something that's been marked off, and our lives have been marked off by the blood of Jesus, all right? But when we give place, we open the door. We step out from that safe place, and, we, and through our sin, our neglect, our disobedience, our, and then it's like, we got them. So they can't, they, the devil can't make you do anything, right? They, they have to try to bait you out from your safe place, out from behind the blood, right? 
And, um, and they do that a lot of times through those areas, but we're going to take a very deep look at that because possess, the word possess is not even in the uh, Greek New Testament. Yeah. Hi, Pastor. I just want to make sure this question makes sense. So earlier you were talking about uh, Matthew 7.22. Yeah. Um, how they were saying that, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your names, and those were works. And then you were talking about the difference between uh, belief and faith and how faith without works is dead. So I am kind of confused on how do you... Um, tell the difference to make sure that you're not operating of your own accord because if you're able to do those works and still not have the relationship with Jesus and how do you know for sure that you are in his will and operating in faith you you know by fruit in your life you know by fruit like no one knows your life better than you do you know what I mean nobody I don't care if people live with you whatever no one knows your life better than you as the individual and, um, and so what are your, what is your behind the scenes life like? Uh, you know, do you take pleasure in sin? Um, when no one else is looking, no one else is around, are you sneaking and looking on the computer at stuff? Uh, you know, going places that you shouldn't go, um, that kind of stuff, right? And so if people, and you have a practice of that, um, and you practice that, I mean, it's a, it's a pattern, it's, a, it's becoming a lifestyle, and you're still doing all these things, that's a really dangerous place to be in. So you would know that, right? And then God, what God does is he deals with the individual. He deals with them. The Holy Spirit is always trying to call a person to repent. Hey, confess this. You know that this is not right, so on and so forth. And I believe that the only time when the Lord begins to do like what he did with Nathan and David is because they, he, was so, he was so far gone, David, in his mind, he didn't even realize how far he had drifted. And so then the Lord will, will reveal your sin to someone else, typically a five-fold gift, to come and to confront you about it. And confrontation and conviction, they are, it's the blessing of the Lord. I get more words about my own personal life and character than I do for anybody. But if I'm always getting words for everybody, I don't get no words for myself. Something is wrong with that picture. Amen? So it's fruit. What is the fruit in your life like? And, uh, uh, and then you go from there. Yeah. Um, I got a question. Yes. Like the uh, signs that follow those who believe. Um, let's talk about healing. Like, um, you know, last week you were saying about people who, is, you need to take medicine. You know, the yes. doctor gave, I mean, God gave the doctors wisdom. Yeah. So on um, some things like, um, how do you feel about doctors um, where the medicine probably is not working for the patient and doctors might refer this person to acupuncture or oh, acupressure yes. or something like that? Don't fool with it. Acupuncture, reflexology, um, a lot of them things. You guys, when you get a referral to something, make sure you study the origin and the history of that. Uh, because one of the great ways that American culture is being demonized is through referrals from the doctors. Uh, do not touch that stuff, not with a 10-foot pole. And, uh, and uh, it's reflect. I've got a whole list of a lot of those things. Um, uh, but yeah, you definitely don't, just don't take their word uh, just at their word. Do research and uh, ask the Lord, do you have peace about that? after you've done research, after you've studied it, even with medication, taking certain medication. And uh, you know, even you know, uh, you know, certain medication, you know, the word witchcraft in the Greek in the New Testament in Galatians is pharmakia, where we get pharmacy or pharmaceuticals, right? That's what witchcraft is, or sorcery in, Gal in Galatians 5. So even everything that's prescribed, you don't just always take it, right? I, I had a tooth extracted uh, a couple months ago and they gave me uh, ibuprofen, 800 milligram, and they also gave me 
Yeah, Vicodin, something strong. And, uh, and I don't do well with narcotics anyway. It just, even if you eat and all that kind of stuff. So I said, I'm going to take this uh, ibuprofen, see how this works. And if I need the Vicodin, I'm going to take that as needed. And, and it just so happened that uh, I took the ibuprofen. I never needed the Vicodin. So you just, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to really, really, really do research. And because uh, uh, you can find yourself uh, in a place that you're never, you're never meant to be. I'm going to take one more question. Oh, two more, and then we have to get out of here. Y'all be here all night. Amen. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ms. Okay. Tina. J just a comment, Pastor, on what you um, were speaking about. I'm, just, I'm sorry. One second. To make sure that there aren't any questions online. That was one thing they asked me last week. They had some people online that had questions. Uh, whoever's man in that camera or the wirecast, the broadcast. Make sure that there are no questions online. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so uh, my twins are 17 now, and when they were in the uh, NICU at a hospital, local hospital, there was something offered to us, and it was called the Healing Hands Ministry. Okay. Not ministry, but Healing Hands. Okay. And I did not have peace because, as I understood it, it wasn't a Christian practice. Okay. It was a person. So what, what, what about... I get a little funny. What about just people, you know, just medical massage or otherwise, and the laying on of hands? Can that be a source of impartation or uh, an awe? Uh, kinda, to a certain degree. Um, I think one of the, uh, like, you don't have to be afraid, like, as you go places, like a demon's going to jump on you, that kind of stuff. You don't have to uh, be afraid. The blood of Jesus is so much stronger than that. Um, a lot of people think that, hey, I just go someplace like, i give you an example. There was some... You know, every year, twice a year, I think in April and maybe September, something like that, um, the, um, uh, what do they call it? It comes to the Sharonville Convention Center. Psychic Fair, something like it, Psychic Fair, I think. And uh, I think about the year, about a year into our church plant, uh, I try to rent a booth at the Psychic Fair for our church to go. They sent me the application. It's got all kind of, I was like blown away because people, you're actually paying admission. You got to pay to get into the fair, to the uh, convention center. And then everyone has a booth. And so they want to know, are you a healer? Do you, do, do you tell the people future? Um, it was a couple other things. And so like if you just, are, are you a mix of the two? And so I told them that we tell people future and we heal. Because we do, through the prophetic and through healing. God is my witness we did this. And I think you was going to have to pay like about $200, $250 for, uh, for the uh, vendor space, and, uh, and we apl applied as Life Changers International, okay? Not church, Life Changers International. And when the guy, when we sent our application back, and um, the, guy, <laughs> the, guy the guy called me, and he started asking, you know, like, well, what, you know, what do you do? And, and I was trying to find a way to tell him stuff without lying, and, um, and, I, and I was really trying my best, cause I, and I think how... I think how he got on to us was on the application it asked, do you charge a fee for your services? And I checked the box, no, I should have checked yes. And uh, because you check, you pray for healing or you tell the future, you know, so then people, when they come in, they know that you're a paid vendor, so they have to pay you for, uh, for your services. And then he pigeonholed me, he asked me, are you a church? And I was like, yeah. And he literally told me, you aren't allowed. Wow. He said, you got, you're, you're not allowed. 
But there were people, not at our church, but there were people that I knew in the city that were telling me, don't go there, them demons gonna get on you. I always say this, if demons don't get on you at Walmart on your job, you are okay. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and that guy, he was just, you know, uh, the enemy used him because he know we was going to go in there and wreck. I mean, the Lord would have showed out in there. We might have got arrested fooling around up in there. You know what I mean? Seriously. Oh, my God. You know, but there was a lady that came from that, uh, that psychic convention, and she caught one of our members that's no longer here on a Sunday morning in Walgreens. She was pregnant, coming to church, and she said... Um, uh, she was sick. That's why she was in Walgreens getting some medicine. And she was like, oh, you're not feeling well or whatever. She was like, can I pray for your baby? And just laid hands on her stomach. And so she, when she came to church that morning, she was, she was so distraught. She was like, Pastor, I need to see you or whatever. Because she was so concerned that the lady had did something. And, uh, you know, she just did not have peace about the lady praying for her. But she just moved on her, you know, just, you know, just, did, uh, you know, just laid hands on her belly. And so I, I prayed for the young lady, and, and the, the child that she has today is completely fine. And, uh, but, you, yeah, you have to be mindful of, of stuff like that because you, I mean, um, you know, the workers, what we do, they also try to do these demonic workers. Last question here. All right, my question is um, kind of piggybacking off a little bit of what you said. Uh, what advice would you give to people um, dealing with, you know, kind of demonized people in their workplace? You know, there's people who are social workers, even just teachers, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, where they come in contact with, you know, you can discern that this is a spiritual situation, you know, but having a heart to really want to help solve that problem, but at the same time having to be professional in a sense. Yeah. So what, what would your advice be? Um, I've worked in corporate America in the marketplace for years. I love, I love the market. And, um, and, uh, and I've gotten in trouble before uh, for what they call proselytizing on my job. Um, I've, I've never been intentional like, you know, going just trying to preach to people, whatever. But if people, you know, people with problems, they find the light. And they, and they are going, I wasn't even pastoring then. I wasn't even preaching, all right, uh, when this stuff, stuff uh, first started happening. So they'll come and they'll tell you problems. They'll tell you problems, can you help, you know, whatever. And all they find you go to church, can you pray for me, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so, so I would, but I would do it off when I was on my break or on lunch to make sure that they didn't have anything on me. And, uh, and I still got in trouble. I got called into my boss's office one time. He's like, yeah, they tell me you're proselytizing on the job. And I said, well, you're trying to make it seem like I'm standing on the desks in the call center and, you know, like, preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm not doing that, right? And I told him this. I said, if it's okay for people to come to work on Monday, talk about what the Packers have done, talk about how drunk they got over the weekend, talk about strip clubs they went to, and they come to me asking me about spiritual things, I said, I'm going to do that, and you can't stop me from doing that. Because it's your right as a, as a human. I'm not, I'm not going to them. They're coming to me, right? And so, I, so you, have to, you have to be wise and use, like, the law um, and the Constitution in your favor as you minister in public settings. And um, as long as you're not going in there being a rabble rouse and being all religious and acting crazy and you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm gonna don't cast a demon out on your job. You will you will not be employed much longer. You gonna have you gonna need provision, okay? So you you do that you do that off your job, but 
you know, you, you can pray, you can prophesy, and, you can, and when people don't understand the prophetic, you can prophesy in a way that you don't even use prophetic verbiage. Just, you know, I just, you know, I just feel like I don't know what your belief is, um, yada, 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 but I believe that, um, you know, such and such, such and such, you're just talking to them and having conversation with them. Amen. I'm going to tell you guys a story, then, then we're, we're over. All right, it's done. All right? An online question. Okay, hold on one second. Y'all got me I have hot. someone asking um, if what you're teaching is a manual or a book on it. Uh, no, not. I'm gonna pray for you, Tina. She, uh, no, not not yet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so here, so kind of. Uh, what you were talking about. So I was at Panera Bread one time uh, around here, around this corner, and I was in there just one morning grabbing breakfast, and there was a lady that was behind me uh, with a with a um, the baby that had a severe cleft lip. It looked like it was about maybe three months old, and so I was in line, and then I had this burden or this unction to pray for the baby. I'm African American, she's Caucasian, from Panera Bread, at Bridgewater Fall early in the morning. I wasn't dressed. I had a little hat on, so I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I felt the prompting or the unction to pray for this, and I, with this baby, and I couldn't um, not do that. And the baby, the cleft was so severe, she actually had, or the baby actually had um, some kind of metal bracket or something in their mouth. And it was, I mean, young, like three months old. So I go outside, and I wait, and she comes out, and, uh, and I say, um, hey, I was, you know, noticing your baby. She's so cute. What's the name? You know, small talk. Oh, you know, tell me the name. And then uh, she uh, immediately was like, oh, well, she's born with a cleft lip, you know, yada, yada, yada. I said, I know. I said, listen, I said, I don't want you to think I'm being weird or whatever. I said, I don't know what you believe, if you believe at all. I said, but, um, but I believe, I said, I'm a Christian. And she's like, oh, I'm Catholic. I said, oh, okay, praise the Lord. I said, I serve, I serve the son of the one you worship, his mama. And so she laughed, you know. I said, you worship his mama, I worship the son. We all in the same family. Use a little humor. Yeah, she laughed, you know. And I said, but let me tell you, I said, the God that I serve, we, I believe in something called supernatural healing. And I explained what that was in very plain layman's terms. And, uh, and she said, okay. And I said, now you mind, I said, the way that the healing is activated by me laying my hand, do you mind if I lay my hand on your baby and just pray for the baby? She's like, sure, okay. And so I lay my hand on the baby head. Uh, prayed for the baby, and uh, she started tearing up. You know, she's crying, tears flowing. And then as I lifted my hand and I closed my prayer, I heard the Holy Spirit say, progressive healing, progressive healing, right? And so we, we bid our due. I told her, I said, listen, I said, when that baby gets healed, I said, here's my card, a pastor church in the area. You know, please call me, send me an email. Let me know how the child does, all right? So that was, I don't know when that was. So fast forward a year, year and a half later, I don't even know. We are at the hospital Good Samaritan in the city. My wife is in labor having Zion, right, our, uh, our baby girl. And we're uh, in there. The, the nurse that is working third shift getting off in the morning is talking to us, and we're, you know, chatting it up or whatever. And uh, she's very good. I'm talking about, like, my wife is in active labor. Like, when you call the ministry, you just can't get away from it at all. My wife is, like, having contractions, and this girl is talking to us about her problem. I'm like, seriously, Right. And uh, so she's talking to us, you know, yada, yada, yada. 
She's like, where you guys live? I said, oh, we're Westchester. Oh, I've got family living in Westchester. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I got aunts up there, so she explained all that. I said, oh, okay, praise the Lord. She's like, I go up there all the time. I hang out with my cousins or whatever. And, you know, one of my aunts or whatever has this little baby, whatever, cleft lip. And I was like, does she look like this? Is she kind of heavy set, brown, long brown hair? She said, yeah. I said, do you have a picture of her? And she said, yeah, let me just pull up her Facebook. You know, she closed the door, and uh, she pulled up her Facebook. I said, listen, let me tell you something. I said, I prayed for that baby about it, because the baby was like about a year, year and a half now. I said, I prayed for that baby about a year, year and a half ago, you know, whatever. The girl started bawling. And she said, my aunt told me some black man. <laughs> she said it was at Panera. I said, right. Came and prayed for her baby. She said, let me show you the picture of the baby. The cleft was completely, it was a scar on the lip. It was completely healed. Ain't that something? I'm like, what are the odds that you would get a nurse that's related to a person that you pray for in a whole nother, what are the odds of that? You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, the Lord just showed that to show that man, you know, even when you just obey in the small things, sometimes I allow it to turn around, you can see the fruit. I was blown away by that. I was completely blown away. All right, love y'all, good night. Good night, y'all get out. Drive home safe. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Hey, Pops. to speak into his life, both as a brother, as a friend, as a pastor, as a shepherd. And